Hey everyone, thanks for checking in. My name is Danika and you're listening to my new podcast, I'm Not Gonna Be Quiet. I'm so excited that you decided to join me. I really appreciate it because this is new. I'm excited about it. I'm feeling good about it. I feel like this is something where we can build community together, hopefully give and take and just transform our lives. So I guess it makes sense to tell you a little bit about who I am uh, because y'all don't know me. I mean, unless you are my one of five friends, so which y'all should be listening to this. Hello. Um, I am a black queer mother. I am a truth seeker. I am a truth teller. I am someone who is curious. I'm someone who you know, seeks joy, seeks light, seeks laughter. But most of all, I I really consider myself um, a mom who is trying to give her kid the best. And the best, I don't mean like in a very capitalist, patriarchal, anti-Black, misogynistic, misogynoir, homophobic, transphobic, all those ways, Mm -mm, right? No, but like, I want her to be free. I need her to understand that she was born free and liberation is hers. A system can't give it to her. A person can't give it to her. In fact, her name means bright light, born free. And so I live my life seeking light so that I can help her see her light when she forgets it. Um, And that's all rooted in my curiosity. I, I'm that kind of American that doesn't need to have all the answers. I'm quite comfortable not knowing, which is why being curious is really, it's cool, kids. That's what you want to be. Be curious like a cat. Um, but that comes from, I think, a few different places. One, it comes from childhood, certainly. I'm a Gen Xer all day. And in that period of time, you were raised to be seen and not heard. And when you are silenced that way, it's like all your other faculties get amplified. So I can see a lot clearer. I can hear what's not being said and I can feel what you're not showing at the surface. And so for me, I grew up in the church. I like to call it cult church because I went to church about three to five days a week. Absurd for me. And I saw I saw people worshiping and giving thanks, and I love that. 
um, and I saw them, you know, talking about scriptures, preaching, but I also saw them living something different when they left the pulpit or when they left the choir or they left just the building. And because I was raised in the church and I am a bit rigid, right? That could be the Virgo in me and and a concrete thinker. Um, And that is trauma, right? Because at some point that abstract thinking, it starts to compete with the, or not even compete, but it blends with the concrete thinking. But I stayed a very concrete black and white thinker for some time. Um, And so when the scriptures weren't matching people's behavior, I saw conflict. I saw hypocrisy. And so not a biblical literalist to this day, but um, it's one of the my foundations, right? And so I appreciate it and I give thanks for it, um, but it's not, it's not my identity. But one of the scriptures that I love is to know God for yourself. And so when I saw people espousing all of these scriptures but not living it i saw that separation it it made me rethink things and i was just like okay like i'm gonna trust that the word is the word but you you not living it so that's what being curious that's actually that's the bedrock of the birth of my curiosity because i was like how does that work how do you say love thy neighbor as you love God, as you love yourself, and you are being selfish, you are not sharing, you are not offering care, you are not doing what you would do to God, to the least of person kind. So, all right, I'm I'm going to digress there. So the other, the next phase of my curiosity was um, in undergrad and grad school. This is where it was really developed and interrogated and stretched. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in sociology, which is the study of human behavior. And I love human behavior. Like I said, it started in childhood. I love watching people and trying to predict what they were thinking and what they were doing or going to do. I loved drawing correlations between thoughts and emotions and behaviors. Um, But there were limits to what I could do with sociology, right? So like sociology, you do a lot of research, do a lot of reading, do a lot of producing results. um, And most of the work stays in articles and uh, books. And for me, you know, I really needed it to touch the people because I found, you know, sociology so helpful and critical in creating relationships that were healthy. And so following my undergraduate time, I explored a PhD program in sociology and just saw like, "Mm -mm, that's not it because I can't get to the people this way for me. And so luckily I landed in social work, right? I felt like social work was the ideal next step to following sociology, right? I could apply 
what I learned there in social work. I felt like social work was the application of sociology and psychology and philosophy and African-American studies and like all these other places. And it's just like, this is where the rubber meets the road. And so, yeah, that's kind of a big part of my identity. But let me be clear. I'm not that social worker who's like, I'm going to deplete all that I have to rescue all of y'all. No, I'm that social worker who loves peace, seeks truth, and divested from capitalism a long time ago. And so 40, 60 hour work weeks, mm-mm, no. A uh, couple hours a week, that works for me. It's ideal. It's where I'm headed. Not there yet. Anywho, I'm getting distracted. So education was the next step. And then from there, it's just my profession. I've spent 20 years working in social work. My area of expertise is trauma and Um, I have my own business. I work as a therapist, a trauma therapist for individuals and groups. And I do trainings around trauma, compassion, fatigue, burnout, uh, restorative practices in schools, um, mediation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just giving you a a glimpse of who I am. Uh, Or when I tell you that I'm not going to be quiet, I, I need you to understand that it comes from being silenced. It comes from being harmed. It comes from the attempt to erase and demean and dehumanize. Um, It comes from me seeking freedom. It comes from me seeking liberation. It comes from me reconnecting with self and understanding that these systems of oppression, mm -mm, that's not for me. And we gonna fight. I'm a fight to be free. And so... I guess that leads me to the podcast title, which is I'm not going to be quiet in. So this is actually uh, the not just the inaugural episode of my new podcast, but it's also the fifth year anniversary of me being fired from a racist organization. I already told you that I worked in social work. And so if you know anything about nonprofits, and uh, 501c3s and federally qualified health centers and uh, community-based organizations, they are trifling. Now, I'm not going to say that they don't do good work because some of them do good work. However, it is at the expense of abusing, terrorizing, um, harming the people that do the work and the people that they serve. So just very quickly because it'll happen at another time where I'll talk about my experience but I was fired because of um, I was like this is racist you're racist I'm not going to accept this I see there are patterns and I recognize that I'm on the chopping block and I'm not going to tolerate you harming me and I know racism is just like a word that's just been desensitized and it doesn't carry a lot of power and a lot of weight. Um, And people are like, well, is it really racist? Did they use the N-word? As if that is the singular way to measure if something or someone is racist. And I can tell you, there's a lot of racial slurs, a lot of homophobic and transphobic epithets used at this place. But I will tell you very quickly and specifically that this organization had 
previously been investigated by an independent body that is the equivalent of the EEOC and found to have racist practices and policies the year before I was fired. Um, That year leading up to my firing, I was targeted. Um, I had a stellar reputation. I had um, stellar annual reviews, not one bad mark. And at the point where they were coming for me, they tried to strip me of my dignity, which is what racists do, which is what bullies do, which is what abusers do. They try to dehumanize you. And I, you know, in my Antoine Fisher voice, I'm still standing, I'm still here. Um, It didn't work. I mean, they did fire me, but that's all right because, you know, Joy comes in the morning and there's an open investigation going on five years. Um, But at this point, they found a probable cause and the next step is a hearing. And I cannot wait for subpoenas to be sent to all the co-conspirators. Allow me to digress. But although I knew I was being fired... And I prepared for it. I was in therapy and I was saving my coins and I was talking with my family and friends and I was getting support from local organizations, um, activists. It was still traumatizing. And when I say like, I was traumatized and you know, again, this is my field of expertise. And I'm just thinking I have all these preventative measures in place to protect me, uh, and, and they did serve me well, but I left still bruised, right? I was, you know, had experienced depression and anxiety and hypervigilance and a disruption in my sleep pattern and a dis- disruption in my appetite and mood dysregulation and just all the things, right? Um, and I, you know, I've been taking my time to just heal and recover, Um and just really seek liberation from that violent situation. And and so what I understood, one of my final steps was in in this healing process was um, using my voice and being visible, being seen and being heard. Because when you are in a, um, like an abusive situation, whether it's with a partner or a family member or a friend or someone at work and and they're they're violent and you see the evidence of their violence like you see them strip people of their dignity you see them fire people target them harass them to ter- terrorize them you see them prevent them from getting employment elsewhere you are terrified and when you leave you think the boogeyman is still there to get you. And so for me, I noticed that I was essentially hiding out away from this lady and and all her minions, right? Like I did not want any visibility um, on social media. I did not want her to know that I had my own business and where I was doing my trainings because I didn't want her to interrupt them and further try to destroy my life, right? Um, And so 
At year three, I was partnering with someone to do a series of trainings for this uh, university and she was making marketing materials and she needed an image of myself. And I was like, oh, yikes, no, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. because this is a small world and this lady, she's going to see it. And then she's going to make a call. And before you know it, this training is going to be gone. And some of that is rooted in reality, right? Because, you know, she has like relationships with, you know, our state Congress person. She has relationships with folks in the mayor's office. I've seen her. I've seen her because she used to mentor me. There's that. Um, I've seen her make calls. I've seen her. I've heard her tell me what she was going to do to harm people for fun. So I knew what that meant. But I also, being someone who seeks healing and evolution, I recognize like this, this here, this is the measurement of where you are in your healing process. Can you put this image on this flyer? And then it moved to, can you put your photo on a LinkedIn account? And so I did. And those were just baby steps. But the more I made myself visible, the less power she had. And the more I realized, like, I don't need, you know, just the findings from, you know, the equivalent of the EEOC, which I will get. Um, I didn't need that to be healed, to, to to know that what I experienced was wrong and to just separate from the gaslighting. Justice and liberation is for me. That's my healing. And the more I became visible, the more I started to talk and I recognized this big bad wolf isn't as big or bad. She's not. And so that's what happens, right? When you step out of that abusive cycle, those toxic spaces, you actually begin to heal. And so for me, this is a very big deal to have this episode and or to have this podcast and to call it, I'm not going to be quiet because I stopped being quiet a long time ago about the things that people were doing to harm me with intention or sometimes without I stopped being quiet about systemic racism, about homophobia, about transphobia, about all the things. I stopped being quiet about it because we know what Zora Neale Hurston meant at her core when she said, if we're quiet about our pain, they'll kill us and say we enjoyed it. Mm -mm, That's not me. That's not me. I understand the correlations between health outcomes based on stress. Oh, no, thank you. I'd like to live a long and prosperous life. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm asking the question, what are you not going to be quiet about? What is What has that been for you? You know, specific to not just work relationships, but family relationships, friend relationships, things things that have kept you hostage and silent, what are you not going to be quiet about anymore? What are you seeking liberation from? 
how do you heal? And so in this podcast, you are going to hear me ask the questions, what are you not going to be quiet about? Or what haven't you been quiet about? What has your silence cost you? And what's the price you paid for freedom? I invite you to tune in bi-monthly. Check out the episode. I want us to get to share, to give. I want to invite folks who are willing to come on my podcast and talk about what their healing process has been to be able to offer that in community with myself and others so we can do it in a very public way, right? We can heal publicly so the listeners can do their own healing privately. I invite you to tune in. We're on all streaming platforms. Check me out on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, INGBQ, which is I'm not going to be quiet. You can email me at I'm not going to be quiet at gmail.com. Subscribe, please leave a message. And yeah, let's just keep striving to get free. Let's do this together. Thanks, everyone. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you.